Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. And welcome to all of you who are participating online. I'm glad that so many of you are continuing to stay safe and not packing us out here. That is a very good thing, uh, especially given all the news and uh, the mask mandates and all of that. Uh, I, we, uh, we all want to stay safe. And um, so thank you for participating uh, online from home. Thank you, those of you who are here. Uh, I appreciate it whenever I see you guys walking in, putting on the masks. And uh, I was reading the governor's executive order finally, once it was finally available uh, on Friday, and uh, saw that he specifically mentioned churches and that since we're already supposed to be spread out at least six feet away from each other, that like you don't have to wear a mask during the whole service. But I understand some of you choose to, and that's fine. Uh, that's not a problem at all. But uh, deeply appreciate you wearing them as you come and go uh, and talk to each other before the service, after the service. It's a good thing. Um, of course, if you're participating from home, uh, you're probably not wearing a mask and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can all stay safe and continue to lift each other up in prayer and, uh, and continue to stay connected during this time. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's continue the prayer that we've begun with these songs. God, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Um, that we can have confidence in you, that, that you are present with us, that as we are being uh, stretched, as we are being challenged, as uh, we are being called to, to trust you in ways we maybe haven't trusted you before, like that song talks about being called out on these waters, and these, this great unknown. God, as you do this, I mean, as we experience this, would you help us to, to keep our eyes fixed on you, to know that you're with us, to know your peace, to be able to live our lives, as we sang earlier, in this, these rhythms of grace, knowing your grace, knowing your love, knowing your peace, even knowing your joy, God. God, today we can't help but, uh, but bring to you our, our true selves and, and all that is going on in our hearts and minds. And you know, uh, God, what a mix that is these days. We are grateful, God, that you... You don't put any preconditions on our coming to you, reaching out to you, crying out to you for help. We don't have to have our act all together. Uh, we don't have to use all the right words. Uh, we don't have to have uh, the right appearance or anything, God. Today, we can come to you just as we are and to receive from you grace, strength, wisdom, healing, forgiveness, joy, peace. Help us, God. Help us to put our trust in you. Help us to be honest with you, to be willing to open our hearts and minds to you, to be willing to open our lives up to you, that maybe, maybe it really is true that the God who made us loves us and is with us and will see us through. God, today we especially want to lift up to you um, those who are having to make all kinds of decisions. Um, governors, mayors, school administrators and school boards, um, presidents, all, all the people in Congress. God, there are so many decisions that are being made right now that affect us and affect us deeply and affect the ways that things are going to proceed from here on out for the next several months. And uh, God, we pray that you would guide them and give them wisdom and help them through this. Uh, God, I pray you'd help us as uh, citizens in this grand democratic experiment, uh, that we wouldn't be afraid to let our voices be heard, but God, I pray that as, as children of our Heavenly Father, we might do that in ways that are respectful, in ways that are kind, in ways that, uh, that truly listen uh, 
before we speak. God, thank you for the, the chance to live in a country where we, we get to uh, participate in decisions that get made. God, all of us, all of us get to make decisions for our own lives and how we are going to live, the ways we are going to approach the people around us, the ways we are going to treat the, the people that we are confronted with each and every day. So God, I pray that you would continue your transforming work in our hearts and lives, that, that we might share with others the same love and grace that you have shared with us, that we have experienced as we have opened our hearts and lives up to you. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Pete and Amanda, for leading us musically today. Um, with, that, uh, with that mask mandate that came out, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. We can't, we can't uh, wander around and greet each other. Uh, you know, you could, uh, you could look around, though, and uh, how do you say peace to each other from a distance? A flash a peace sign or something? I don't know. Wave? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how you want to do that. But uh, with that mask mandate that, uh, that had come out, um, at, at first there weren't many details. You know, it was it took a couple of days before the actual executive order came out, and, and I didn't know what that was going to mean for us. I didn't know. Uh, at first, it just said, hey, if you're indoors in a public space, you got to wear a mask. And I thought, okay, I guess I'll find a preaching mask or something. You know, I mean, I didn't know. And, um, and I was texting with Pete and Amanda. I was like, so, leading in masks this Sunday? What do you think? And, and Pete's like, well, I can wear one. I'm playing guitar. That's fine, you know. And Amanda's like, I'm not sure how that would work. Um, but if we have to, you know, I guess we've got microphones. So, uh, but thankfully, yeah, when the details came out, it was uh, uh, as long as you're spread out, uh, you don't have to wear the mask. But as I, as I mentioned earlier, some of you choose to continue to wear them, and uh, and that's a good thing. I know I can just tell you, for me personally, uh, I see wearing a mask when I'm around other people as a sign of courtesy, as a sign of respect, as a sign of me saying, "Look, I don't know if I've got this thing yet." Uh, for a, it seems like it takes a while before it shows up, and so. I'm just going to wear a mask to make sure that, uh, that as I'm talking to you, uh, all you're experiencing from me is good stuff and not any uh, virus that might be coming in my uh, breath or whatever, however that stuff gets spread. Um, so anyway, thank you for being respectful. Thank you for modeling to others throughout the week uh, what it means to love our neighbors. And um, all right, let's get on with the, uh, the message. Oh, I guess I should. Usually there's some brief announcements right here, right? Uh, so those of you who are watching online, if you want to connect with us, you can go, uh, I think there's a link in the comments somewhere perhaps uh, to this connect card, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect card. You can just fill one of those out and let us know you're with us today. Uh, I can look around and see who's with us in the room. I can't see who's on the other side of that camera that I bumped earlier. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, so let us know that you're with us. Let us know like, hey, I watched the service today, uh, uh, something that you loved, something that you hated, uh, whatever. All right. Tell us something that God is saying to you or that he's doing in your life. Uh, let's make sure that we stay connected during this time. Um, it might be a while until we all finally are comfortable gathering in the room again together. Um, until that time, let's make sure we don't lose track of each other. So please, let us know you're with us, uh, how we can pray for you, how we can thank God with you. If you're here in the room, of course, you can grab a little welcome card back there, drop it in the offering box if you'd like. And um, thank you to those of you here, those of you participating online who continue to give faithfully. Um, we've got a board meeting tomorrow night where we finally get to, we haven't had a board meeting in about a month and a half, two months maybe, uh, something like that. So we're finally getting together and having a board meeting again tomorrow night and uh, looking over all those numbers. But just for me, glancing at them, uh, I can see that you guys have continued to give faithfully. So thank you so much um, 
for your continued support of the work that's being done here and around the world through Living Hope. Uh, online, there's a link somewhere at livinghope.info. You can click give or something, and, and you can give online if you want to do that. Uh, today, we are going to finish up, finally get to the message part. All right, we're going to finish up the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, the most um, well-known, the kind of the central teaching of Jesus for his disciples. Uh, of course, not just for his disciples. It starts out in Matthew 5. He, he had seen there were crowds gathering everywhere Jesus went because of the amazing things he was doing. And so he goes up on a mountain. He sits down and his disciples come to him. But then we see by the end, there was a whole crowd listening in as well. And every Sunday is kind of like that, uh, where we know that the disciples have gathered in person online. But there are others who gather and who listen to, who aren't necessarily disciples of Jesus yet, haven't decided to follow him yet, but are, are exploring or experimenting or thinking, is there something something to this guy? Is there something to this message? Is there some truth here? I'm going to listen. I want to see. And, uh, and that's, Jesus was fine with that. We're fine with that. And um, to, to just see, is there some truth here? And I believe that there is, obviously. I wouldn't be standing up here if I didn't. Um, so Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we're concluding it today, looking at all of chapter 7, because uh, we didn't want to drag this on for 20 weeks like I did uh, 10 years ago. We're, we're just covering this this month, and then next month we're going to move on to some other, uh, some other themes, some other topics, some other parts of Scripture. Uh, last week, uh, we're looking at chapter 6 and how Jesus was telling us, don't be like those hypocrites who practice their religion just for show. Uh, and also, don't be like the pagans who just honestly don't know that God's like a father who sees you, who knows you, who loves you. And so our lives aren't dominated by our ego or our need for recognition or applause from others. They're not dominated by our worries about tomorrow and what might happen. Instead, we can rest and trust in our loving Heavenly Father who's revealed his love for us in Jesus Christ. This is Jesus who comes into the world as light and life and invites us to let his light shine through us to draw other people to him who blesses those that no one else is blessing as he starts this Sermon on the Mount. We call it the Beatitudes. He's just blessing people that everyone else is ignoring or pushing aside, letting them know that a time is coming and has already started to arrive when all will be comforted, healed, restored, redeemed. This has already begun in Jesus and his ministry and his work. This Jesus who calls us to be part of his transforming work, to build our lives on his teaching and his example, to live as children who reflect the love and grace of our Heavenly Father, even to those who, those who make themselves our enemies. This is this amazing message that Jesus has for us in this Sermon on the Mount. And um, next week, I know... Uh, uh, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite stories that actually the song they just sang, Oceans, uh, kind of comes from. That story of Jesus calling Peter to walk on the water. Uh, that's, that's next Sunday. But, uh, but today we are uh, looking at chapter 7, which is kind of divided into these two parts. All right? Um, the first part of it seems to all be about this kind of this law of reciprocity. You know, like you do this for other people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to you. Right? And uh, Concluding with the, what we call the golden rule, which I think I've got uh, for you on the screens, where Jesus just says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. In the first half of chapter 7, he, he, he kind of wraps up that first half by saying this, we need to do for others what we would like them to do for us. So if we don't want other people judging us, we're not going to judge them. You know, that's the example he starts with. And then the second half is uh, he keeps drawing contrasts uh, between two things. Uh, between true and false prophets, between true and false disciples, between a narrow path and a hard path, between a wise builder and a foolish builder. And it seems to be kind of this opportunity to evaluate, like, where am I? You know, am I on the right path or the wrong path? Am I listening to the right people or the wrong people? 
And he gives us some, some guidance on that. So the, the beginning uh, of chapter 7, he says, as I mentioned before, and, and a lot of us like to quote this one, right? Do not judge, and, and you too, or you too will be judged. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other places where he talks about, uh, where the Bible talks about giving and other things, they, they say this kind of law of reciprocity. You do this for other people, it's going to come back to you. If you give generously, you'll receive generously. You know, if you're kind to others, others will be kind to you. If you are a judgmental person, people aren't going to like that. They're going to turn that back on you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this obviously doesn't mean, uh, like, you can't have a discerning mind. You can't think critically about things. Uh, in fact, as I mentioned, he's going to go on in the rest of the chapter to talk about evaluating and, and kind of making sure you understand, like, okay, is this good or bad? Am I, is this a person I should listen to or shouldn't listen to? So he's not talking about, like, making those kinds of judgment calls. Uh, we have to do that all the time. Jesus commands us to do that. Um, we're about to do that in big ways this November, right? I mean, um, we're, that's what we do. We decide, is this person someone I want leading the country or the state or whatever? Um, that's not a bad thing. That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying, if you judge, you will be judged. He's like, the way you treat others is how you'll be treated. He's talking about this idea of, well, you could think of it as like the prejudgment. Sometimes we are prejudiced toward others, right? We don't give them a chance. We don't give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't treat them with grace and respect. It's like, look, if you walk into a conversation already having decided, well, that person's a jerk and I disagree with them and I know they're evil and I'm not going to listen to a thing they say, well, guess what? How they're going to approach you? <laughs> you think you're going to convince them that you're right and they're wrong? You think they're going to actually want to hear what you have to say when you're walking into a conversation like that? He said, no. No, you want others to be respectful to you? You be respectful to them. You want others to listen to you? You listen to them. You want to shut things down by being prejudiced or judgmental? Well, go ahead. That's going to shut things down right away. Uh, sometimes I hear that, do not judge, and it seems like what comes to my mind is that idea of like condemning someone, saying, I've already decided your fate. I've already decided uh, who you are and what can be done with you, and I've decided it's not much. And so I've already kind of been the judge and jury, and maybe I won't be the executioner, but, you know, I've already decided. And uh, he's saying, that, that doesn't work. That's not how we're supposed to live. He gives a good example of it in that, he tells us a little episode. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Oh, there's that word again. He says, you're just play acting here. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He's saying, this is, you're doing exactly, this is the example of like what we're not supposed to do, right? So he's just said, don't judge, you'll be judged, you know. Now he's saying, you're walking around unaware that you've got this giant plank in your own eye, but you can see the splinters in everybody else's, right? We can see the faults in everybody else's lives. Isn't that so much easier sometimes to see the faults that others have than the faults that we have, you know? Uh, I mean, maybe it's just because our eyes are on the front of our heads, you know, and I can't, like, I can't see right now if I've got food in my teeth or anything like that, right? But if, if I'm talking to you, well, I guess I can't right now because we wear masks. Anyway, that example is out the window. All right. Um, I can't see if my hair is sticking up funny. Maybe. Okay. Uh, but I can see if yours is sticking up funny, right? Um, I can't see if I've got a stain on my shirt, but I can see the stain on your shirt. I can't see this giant problem in my life, this plank stuck in my eye. You know, again, he's using this hyperbole, right? We talked about how Jesus speaks in this Sermon on the Mount in prophetic hyperbole, prophetic, and that it's just black and white, don't judge, you know, no exceptions. And uh, 
even though there might be exceptions that he describes in other places. But here he's, he's being prophetic, he's being very black and white, and he's also using hyperbole, he's using exaggeration to make a point. He's saying, how ridiculous is it to try to pull a splinter out of someone else's eye when you've got this big plank sticking out of your own? When we live like that, and we claim to follow Jesus, people see that, right? I mean, that's why some people uh, have totally checked out the whole Christian faith thing. It's because they have bumped into us, <laughs> and they've said, oh, I don't want that. Uh, they've surveyed people who have given up on faith, and they, uh, who are, don't want anything to do with the church, people who have been a part of a church and have left it. And they've said, what, what happened? Why is it that you don't, you know, church isn't a part of your life? Why is it you've walked away from, from faith? Sometimes it's walked away from faith. Sometimes it's they've just walked away from church. And uh, one of the top answers people give is, uh, well, one is being hypocritical, being exactly who Jesus said we're not supposed to be, and the other is that we're judgmental, that we Christians have this tendency toward judgmentalism. I don't know if it's because God has changed our lives, and so now we're living differently than we used to, and we, we see how terrible it is what we used to be a part of, and we don't want anything to do with that, and now we're you know, trying to live on the straight and narrow, and, and we see somebody else who's not, and we think, oh, dude, that's not good. And so we're quick to point out the ways others are failing, instead of, instead of approaching with a helpful, grace-filled approach that says, hey, man, uh, let me help you. you know, I, I used to be right where you are. Uh, let me help you to get out of that mess. Instead, we, they, all they see is the, the pointed finger, uh, and they hear the, the condemnation, saying that's not how we're supposed to be. Jesus is telling us, <laughs> look at yourself first. Look in the mirror. See the plank in your own eye. Now, I mentioned I, I can see your stuff, but I can't see my stuff, right? What, what kind of mirror can I look into to see the plank in my, in my eye? Um, the Bible in some places calls Scripture like a mirror. Like I can look at the pages of Scripture and the Holy Spirit will help me to see myself in those pages sometimes. Um, but you know what? Like much more often it seems to me, the way that God helps me to see myself is through other people, through your eyes. You telling me, look, Rich, when I, when I look at you, this is what I'm seeing. Um, I've had that happen with, like, those online conversations that get so heated sometimes. I've had friends, this is a few years ago, um, which isn't to say I've totally learned my lesson, but um, this is in the pre-Facebook days even, and uh, people are saying, look, you're coming across, like, I don't think you want to come across this way. <laughs> you know, this is, this is not helpful. The way you're engaging in these conversations with these people is, is not helping you. And at first I was like, oh, come on, you're kidding me. I'm, I'm not, I didn't say that. They're misunderstanding. And eventually I realized, wait a second, these people are trying to be helpful, hold up a mirror for me to see the plank in my eye. I need to thank them. I need to say, whew, I didn't see it. I'm still not sure I see it, but I'm going to trust you that you're telling me the truth because I know you care about me. I know you want what's best for me. So thank you for helping me to know that there's a problem here. I'm going to try to, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to try to make sure, I'm trying to, going to try to find that problem and figure out why I'm responding the way I'm responding to this person or to that situation. We need to listen to each other. And when it's someone who loves us and cares about us, who's giving us that kind of feedback, who's trying to be helpful, instead of like, unfriend, I don't want anything to do with them, instead we need to like, listen and say, okay, maybe they're trying to help me here. Maybe God is trying to help me to see a plank sticking out of my eye. Now, he, he goes on from there to say some little thing about, uh, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I'll be honest, lots of, because it's so vague and unspecific, there's lots of debate and like, what exactly did Jesus mean by this? I don't know. 
All right, there's like five different theories. We're not going to explore them all. Uh, but one thing I do see is Jesus saying, okay, there are some people, you need to make some judgment calls about people, you know, about, about how you respond to people. You're going to respond to certain people in different ways, which right here I think he's already starting to say like this do not judge thing means you're not condemning them, you're not prejudging them, but that doesn't mean you just treat everybody the same and just like, okay, well, I'll just do whatever. Like there are times you need to be careful. There are times you need to, to guard yourself. At times, you need to be cautious. And like I said, he'll go on with that uh, later in the chapter. But in verse 7, he says, uh, he goes to something that doesn't at first seem to connect. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. In some ways, this is pretty simple, right? We know this. Uh, you usually aren't going to receive something unless you ask for it, right? I walk into a restaurant, I'm not going to ever get food. Unless at some point I ask for food. Until at some point I say, uh, oh, I would like that, right? Um, same thing with knocking on the door. I, if I walk up to somebody's door and I just stand there, they're not going to open the door. Um, they might call the cops, you know, at some point. Because, like, the dog barks and they look out and, like, some weirdo standing on our porch, you know. Um, but they're not going to open the door unless I knock, unless I, you know, take a step. Now, ask and seek and knock, these were, these were references in, uh, in the Judaism of Jesus' day to prayer. And so perhaps Jesus is talking here about prayer and saying, look, this is a relationship you've got with your heavenly father here. This God who sees you and knows you and loves you, he's inviting you to ask him so that you can receive, to seek so that you can find, to knock so that the door can be open. To treat this like a relationship, to not just treat this like, well, God already knows what I need and so I don't need to worry about it. You know, we, we talked about that last week, that we don't need to worry, but God still invites us to ask, to approach him to be honest with him. I mean, it's kind of dishonest to like not say to God, here's what I need. Like, because if I need it and I'm in a relationship with my heavenly father, then I'm going to talk about what I need with him. So he's saying, go ahead and ask. Look for it. Seek, search, knock. That's when the door gets opened. That's when you receive. That's when you find what you're looking for. And then again, he kind of gives an example. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, this is where a little bit of that reciprocity starts to come in, perhaps. Where he's saying, like, you, know, you give good gifts to your kids. You know how to do this. So, of course, don't you think this is going to happen when you approach your heavenly Father? Um, even though you are evil, he says, in which just kind of this acknowledgement, we are fallen creatures. We do not get it right much of the time, uh, even as parents, right? Um, some of you know from your own upbringing, you're thinking back to your parents like, yep, yeah, they were evil, all right. Uh, they, did, they got a whole lot wrong. And, or maybe you're thinking of your own parenting failures. Uh, I know I'm accumulating a longer and longer list every day of my own. Um, he says, look, even though you are messed up, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know your kid comes to you and says, hey, Dad, can I have a fish? You know, it's like, sure, <laughs> snake, you know. He's like, no, you care about your children, so you give good gifts to them. And when they come to you with something they need, you, you do your best to provide it. Don't you think your Heavenly Father will also give you good gifts when you ask Him? So again, He's encouraging us to trust our Heavenly Father, to not be afraid to approach our Heavenly Father with the things that we need because He loves us. He'll give us good gifts. And he, he ends this section, um, says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. We've called this the golden rule. I don't know 
who coined that exactly, but at some point this became called the golden rule. You, you do to other people what you would have them do to you. Uh, in the Judaism of Jesus' day, they, they already had this idea, but it was expressed in the negative. Don't do to other people what you don't want them to do to you, right? You don't want other people to stomp on your toes. Don't go stomping on theirs, right? And Jesus flips it around and just says the positive. He says, you do for others what you would have them do for you. You want other people to respect you? You respect them. You want other people to, to care about what you have to say? You care about what they have to say. You want other people to love you? Well, then you put love out there toward them. And see if that doesn't come back to you. He says, this sums up the law and the prophets. This is basically another way of saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Saying, love your neighbor just like you. Want them to love you. See them as an equal. Not as you being up here and they're down there. No, love them as yourself. As, as equal with yourself. Do for them what you would have them do for you. Do to them what you'd have them do to you. To me, that, the mask thing is, what is an example of that. Um, you know, I would like for other people to, to watch out for me, to, to make sure they're not giving me something. So, okay, I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to wear this mask out of respect for them to make sure I'm not giving them something. Uh, I've heard some people say, uh, turn this into uh, like, well, but I don't care if we wear masks or not. Right? I think this is a whole bunch of malarkey. I don't think the science is settled. This is, uh, you know, or maybe you think the other way, like, oh, the mask is making me sick or, or something like that. And uh, so I don't want to wear it. So I hope they don't wear it. So I'm not going to wear it because I don't want them to wear a mask either. I don't want anyone wearing masks. And um, so that's where some people have said, okay, wait a minute, maybe, maybe a better way to think of it is just put yourself in their shoes. If you were them, you know, how would you want, how would you want them to behave toward you? I'm mixing that up. Anyway. If you're in their shoes, if you were in their situation, how would you want you to act toward them, right? Um, do to others what they would have you do unto them, I guess is one way I've heard that said. Um, it's an opportunity to, to listen, to be considerate, to, again, value that other person as just as valuable as yourself and to think about how your actions are impacting them, um, that's, that can be a, a tough step to take just right there, just having to pause and think about it. Because I just, just speaking for me, so much of my life, I'm not super reflective, all right? Some of you, you are. You're just a reflective human being. You're always reflecting on your own actions and on life, and you love to journal and all that kind of stuff. And you just, your inner, your inner world is rich, right? Um, others of us, we just kind of waltz through life, not really thinking about what we're doing. And that's more me, unfortunately, all right? Um, which is why I need people to say back to me, like, Rich, uh, you need to think about what you're doing there. Uh, it's a good thing I married Stacy. Thank you, Stacy, for all that, you have, uh, all that you do for me to help me to, to, to think about what I'm doing and to think about how my actions might be received by others. That's what he's calling us to do because when we don't, when we just charge through like a bull in a china shop or when we just waltz right through someone's life, you know, getting our muddy footprints all over there, the carpet of their lives, um, it's not a pretty thing. Jesus is saying, all that God expects of us sums up the law and the prophets. Everything that God expects can be summed up with this. Just, just do for others what you would have them do for you. So if you don't want them judging you, don't you go judging them. Look in the mirror first. All right, then he moves on to, uh, to a, a series of examples of like, you got two different things, and you kind of compare and contrast. And, and for me, this seems like an example of discernment, 
which again, if you're saying, oh, don't judge me, I shouldn't think about those things. Everything's just fine. Like, no, no, he's giving examples here of how you've got to make decisions. So like in verse 13, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Saying, don't just follow the crowd. Um, In my head, as I was reading this, I was thinking of it kind of through the lens of trying to evaluate my own life, trying to reflect (laughs) and say like, okay, what path am I on? How have I been living? Am I just going with the flow, going the same way everyone else is? Or am I I living uh, like a uniquely Jesus-looking life, a a life that is leading toward life, a a life that, that lets the light of Christ shine through me? If I am, if I'm living that kind of life, it's, it may be a narrower, more difficult path. It may not be just going with the flow that everyone else, doing what everyone else around me is doing. I heard one pastor describe this as discernment by nausea. He said, if you've got two decisions you're trying to make, and one of them makes you feel a little bit uneasy, oh man, that one's going to be tough. I don't know if we want to do that. I, I kinda, ugh, uh, I'd rather just do this. He said over and over again through the course of his ministry, somebody a little further down the line than me, uh, he said over and over we've realized that the decision we needed to make was the, the one that made us a little uneasy, you know, because that was going to be a more challenging route. But that might help us to know the path that God wants us to go on. Um, he says if I'm on, the, if I'm on a narrow path, there, the few are on it, like my fellow believers are saying, yep, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're going to do this together, but it's, a, it's not, a, not a whole lot of us. It's not going the same direction that the rest of the culture is going. Well, then maybe that's the right path to be on. And then he says in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, look good, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. So he's saying there's a difference between the outside and the inside of these false prophets, right? They look like sheep, but they're really ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The answer is no. That's not how it works, right? Right? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Uh, my boys uh, lately have, we, we were up in Michigan, uh, this is last weekend, I think, and uh, we did the blueberry picking thing. You know, we go to the blueberry place and you go out there and, and uh, uh, we went early in the morning trying to make sure we avoided crowds, um, which meant my shoes were just soaked with the dew. And I had never done this before. I'd never been to one of these. Uh, and... Uh, it was just amazing. I mean, these, were, these blueberries looked like small apples. It was, it was crazy. Um, but you pick blueberries from blueberry bushes. Are those bushes? I don't know what those are. Um, you know, I can't go to my backyard and get blueberries. We've got a peach tree. It's really sad. It's dying. But there's a peach tree there, right? I'm not getting blueberries off that peach tree. Um, or some neighbors have a raspberry bush, and my boys love to go over. We have to tell them, like, oh, only the really dark ones that are about to fall off. You pick those little heart. No, no, that's not going to be any good. You know, you pick raspberries off a raspberry bush. You know, you don't, you don't go and pick raspberries off of, you know, the tomato plant or whatever, right? So he's saying, look, good fruit, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit any more than my peach tree can grow you know, raspberries. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruits cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Saying there are some people who want to have an influence on your life. And it looks good on the outside. They look good on the outside. 
Their message might be one that you want to hear. And in the story of the Old Testament uh, and going through the stories of the prophets, there were numerous times in Israel's history where there were prophets who, who were happy to tell the king exactly what he wanted to hear. You know, oh, no, 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 God is on your side. And no, 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 everything's fine. Those enemies, uh, they're not going to defeat us. And it was cer- certain prophets that God sent that said, well, you need to not listen to those people you know, because Israel is not fine. We have been doing evil. We've been abusing the, our, our you know, people in our population. We've been ignoring God and his direction for so long. This is something God is using to try to correct us. We are going to go through some suffering. Don't listen to those false prophets. There are false prophets speaking to all of us. And they look good on the, in, on the outside, but inside they're nasty. And what's on the inside will eventually come out. So a good tree, eventually you'll see good fruit. A bad tree, eventually you will recognize that bad fruit. Um, these are folks who hadn't experienced that inner transformation. right? So that inner transformation is what results in that life of love, goodness, grace, etc. All those things Jesus talked about in chapter 5. We were talking about how it's not enough just to not kill people and just on the outside be good. If you're harboring anger in your heart, that's a problem, right? He, he was saying your righteousness has to go beyond these hypocritical religious leaders that you look at who are doing great. You've got to truly let God change you from the inside out. And these false prophets, they haven't done that. They're happy to talk to others, but inside is rotten, and that rottenness will eventually be seen. So he's saying be discerning. Uh, look at the fruit. Look at what results from their life. If it's good, well, then maybe that's a good tree. If it's bad... That is not somebody you want to be listening to. And then he says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only, those who, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it's not enough just to have the right religious words to say, oh yeah, Jesus, I call you Lord. You're my Lord. Yeah, but you're not doing what my heavenly Father is telling you to do. But then he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Well, now they've got one up on me, or one or two or three up on me. I mean, I've, I've never performed a miracle, right? I've never driven out demons. Um, he's saying they're doing amazing religious stuff, spiritual stuff. And he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. And they were religious. They had the right words. They even had some of the right actions, the external religious displays, but their lives hadn't been transformed. They were evil doers. And they didn't know Jesus. They weren't doing the will of his heavenly father. It is not enough for us to sit and listen and shout amen or anything like that if we're not listening to our heavenly father, if we don't know Jesus, if we're not trusting and following him. And that's where he goes at the end. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Both these people heard what Jesus had to say, they both sat and listened to him on the mountain that day. They both heard him say, you got to love your enemies. They both heard him say, uh, look, you got to do for others what you want them to do for you. They both heard him give their instructions about how to discern you know, the voices you're listening to and the path you're walking on. But some of them actually put it into practice. Some of them decided, okay, then I'm going to treat that person the way I want them to treat me. Okay, then I am going to start to pray for that enemy of mine and look for ways for God to love them through me. 
Some of them began to put it into practice. And when the inevitable storms of life came, their lives stood firm. Other people said, amen, Jesus. Those people need to hear it. Are you, are you listening? You need to hear that. You know, you need to hear what Jesus is saying. He's talking about you. You know, and they didn't put it into practice themselves. They kept right on doing their religious stuff for show. They kept right on making sure they were saying the right words and doing the right things outside, but they weren't allowing God's Holy Spirit to transform them from the inside out. And he said, when the inevitable storms of life came, their lives collapsed. None of us want our lives to collapse. All of us want to be that wise builder. So we have a decision to make. Are we going to put the words of Jesus into practice in our lives? Or are we just going to hear him and say, that was a nice message. He could have done that one part a little better. Hated it when he bumped the camera earlier. You know, whatever. And we move on with our day unchanged. Let's not let that happen. Let's pray. God, we need your help. I need your help to allow your words, the teachings of Jesus, to do more than just enter my head and, and get a little mental agreement from me. God, I need your help and the help of your Holy Spirit to guide me the rest of today, to guide me tomorrow, to guide me in each moment as I, as I walk the path of life, uh, to, to stay on that narrow path. To, to put my trust in Jesus, to put into practice the things that you have taught us. So God, would you help us? Would you help us to do it and not just hear it? Thank you, God. Thank you for the invitation to be a part of your transforming work because God, I believe that if, if we who call ourselves Christians here in this room, participating online, who are part of this church, if, if we who are Christians uh, around this community, if we who are, who are Christians here in this state, in this nation, if we who are Christians around the world, if we would just begin to put this stuff into practice, if we would live lives of love, of grace, oh, how different our world could be, how different our community could be, how different our culture could be. God, help us to be salt and light that you call us to be. Help us to have that transforming influence on the, on the lives around us as we allow your Holy Spirit to change us, to transform us, as we put this into practice, as that inner transformation begins to show up in a changed life, in lives of love, Thank you, God, for inviting us to be a part of it. I pray that you'd help us today to, to decide, to commit. Yes, I want to be a part of the, of the revolution that Jesus is, is bringing to bear on, on our community, on our nation, on our world. Transform our lives, God, so that we can be a part of your transforming work. Thank you. You take ordinary, messed up people like us and you change us. You help us. You forgive us our sins. And you give us the gift of your Holy Spirit. You give us the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ. You give us these gifts to help us to begin to live life differently. Thank you, God. 
God, I thank you for this sacrament that we're going to enjoy together today, that we're going to celebrate today. As we offer to you gifts of bread and juice, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might not just go through some little religious ritual, but that we might have an actual living encounter with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, who lived it out all the way to, the, to death, who lived a life of love. God, you raised him from death. You defeated death and sin and the devil so that we could have assurance that we too can participate in your victory. Even though the road may be challenging, we get to to share in your life and in your victory over sin, death, and the devil. We offer you ourselves, God, with gratitude that we get to be a part of this. Forgive us our sins. Wash us clean. Change our hearts and lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As, as we prepare to, uh, to celebrate communion together, uh, if you're uh, participating this morning from home uh, and you haven't already gathered uh, bread and juice, this is your chance. You can gather some elements together. For those of us in the room, we've got the little individual cups uh, that we will be opening in just a moment. God, you have shown us this love in your son, Jesus Christ, who, who recklessly gave his life for us to set us free. Thank you for this sacrament that we get to celebrate together today. Jesus, uh, as you met with your disciples, uh, having that Passover meal, you took bread. When you'd given thanks, you broke it, and you gave it to them, and you said, this is my body given for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You may take and eat the bread. After supper, Jesus, you took the cup and you gave it to your disciples and you said, drink this. This is my blood, the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Lord Jesus, we do remember. And we pray that you would help us to not only remember it in our heads, but in our hearts to to live lives that reflect your love that you have shown for us. We are here in this place because of you, this place where we can connect with the God who made us, can have confidence that he is our heavenly father because of the love that you have shown us. So would you fill us with your Holy Spirit today that we might live in this world as sons and daughters of our heavenly father, as members of the body of Christ, sharing your love and your grace with the people you send us to. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.